In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And here we go, everybody. Welcome In the Booth. Third week of the football season and of the school year and our first Five show week, so we're gonna have to pace ourselves. We're gonna try to get through it. We're gonna need your help. All you can do to uh, get us there. Certainly, the beacon that is dome football, a three game dome stand starting Saturday night, is awfully exciting. And yes, we'll talk about uh, this past Saturday and how things did not go well in College Park. But uh, still, this is one of the most and highly anticipated uh, football games in two decades, headed toward a sellout against number one Clemson on Saturday, nationally televised. A 7.30 start, and uh, lots going on, and we'll tell you about it throughout the week. Brian Higgins is here overcoming uh, not only the uh, Syracuse football loss on Saturday, but the uh, Giants not competitive yesterday against the Cowboys. Uh, not, not competitive and uh, clearly don't have any plans on it. <laughs> yeah. Syracuse was planning on being competitive, and they shall be again this year. The Giants, um, yeah, no, no, yeah. that's no good. Not really it's in no a hurry good. to... Uh, I don't know what the plan is. <laughs> to get it. Get it straightened out. We'll talk about uh, pro football in due time as well. But uh, as people are well aware by now, things did not go according to plan Saturday at Maryland. Uh, Not newsworthy that the Orange lost. Uh, I think we all knew if you paid any attention that that was uh, certainly possible. And as we got more into the Maryland game and started to see their personnel and and, uh, how much they could be impacted by the addition of transfers, particularly at quarterback, that was a good football team. Syracuse did not play well and got blasted uh, Saturday at College Park. The biggest ramification of it, obviously, aside from the fact that you know it's one of those middle ground toss-up type games where it's a missed opportunity. Now you can't really afford to lose to your, uh, your Pittsburgh, your Duke uh, down the road. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But as everybody knows, no game day. People were uh, hoping for that with number one Clemson uh, coming to town. And some preparations and talks had started to be made and contingency plans and, and all that. I'm promising you, you're going to have a good time this weekend. Certainly you'll have uh, every making and every opportunity to have a good time, but we will be doing it uh, without Reese and Coach and Dez. And Kirk's going to start his day in Iowa, and then he'll make his way uh, to the Carrier Dome for the game. Do they bring out corn when they're doing the food there? I guess yeah. they'll have to figure that out. But, yeah, yeah is the shine off? A little, but... The shine's off the Ferrari. Like, the Ferrari's still showing up. Clemson's going to be here. We know what's happened the last two years. Those were as entertaining and gripping of two pairs of Syracuse football games. When you look at it as a combined outing, the win here a couple years ago, then the loss in Death Valley last year, as we've had around here, certainly against big-time teams in a long time. Hey, Clemson's still showing up. You still bought your tickets. There's no reason not to be out there. It's going to be a great night. And yeah, game day is not here. Syracuse is not two and zero, but you're still playing number one in the defending national champs, and you're going into it with guys that have played them in real good football games before. So yeah, the the other stuff isn't there. the uh, The hors d'oeuvres maybe got canceled. <laughs> the main dish is still coming. Like it's still going to be a pretty good night in the dome. 
Absolutely. The the last two games, obviously against Clemson, people know, have been competitive. Clemson's last trip in here, they were the defending national champions, number two in the country at the time, and Syracuse won the game. Uh, you may have noted that. And then last year, the Orange had the lead in the final minute, and uh, the backup quarterback at the time for Clemson, uh, Chase Bryce, elevated them to the win along with Travis Etienne. Etienne is back, and Trevor Lawrence is back. As the uh, starting quarterback, uh, Clemson is loaded. They come in 2-0. and In fact, they beat Texas A&M on Saturday by two touchdowns. That, other than the Syracuse game, is the closest game they've had basically uh, since last year's Texas A&M game, uh, which was tight. So for a full year, they've beaten everybody by two touchdowns except for Syracuse. Game time, 7.30. The biggest theme you'll hear from us uh, throughout the week is there's so much other stuff going on. You're going to want to get to campus early alleviate any uh, stress on anybody's part about parking and getting to your, your seats on time, but you got Sky Top with a concert, you got the quad with things going on, you got the gates opening at 5.30, and uh, we're going to have uh, a showdown and see some major college football Saturday at 7.30. I'll be on the quad. Is that not enough reason that, to show up early? Or pick one of the other items, but uh, yeah, I'll be out there. Adam Terry, we're going with our pregame on the quad at 5.30, and there's a lot going on. Bands, uh, The marching band is out there. A band is out there. There's the food and drink out there, and then uh, everything you can see, you can get your first little peek. Besides, obviously, you live in Syracuse. You've, I don't care where you live, you've seen the construction from some distance, but uh, you get to look up close and kind of see where it's where it's going. It's a lot of firsts for something that's really not new with Syracuse and Clemson and playing number one. There, there's a lot of new stuff, I think, to check out here this week. Yeah, you know, and there was some talk about the concessions, and again, we can hit on these things over the course of the week. The Tim Green uh, jersey retirement, a lot of good stuff there. Um, it's just so unusual, good, bad, or otherwise, the biggest game, not only of this year, but the biggest game really in a long, long time. Figures to be the first sellout since the opener of 1998. It's the first home game of the season. Yes. And uh, that is very unusual. Opening on the road for two in a row is unusual. Puts the team certainly at a competitive uh, disadvantage in a way. They were able to win with uh, better players against Liberty. I don't think Syracuse's roster is so much better than Maryland that you aren't susceptible uh, to slipping up. And and obviously that game got sideways in a hurry and what was uh, tough for them to get out of a uh, what was almost instantly a two-touchdown hole. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a strange scheduling quirk that, that led to this. In many ways, it led to it kind of on purpose. This game was put here on the schedule by the powers that be. So it could be a, a game that would anchor this week television-wise and all that good stuff. So... In many ways, it's good to be thought of that way. This game was scheduled to be a primetime week three game, pretty much. So people wanted it on TV that, that make these decisions. And then it was a completely different thing, the, the dome construction and all this stuff, which leads to the two games on the road. And Syracuse on the road, Big Ten team. Hasn't gone so well. It's not it? gone so well. And without doing the research on every other team that's in Syracuse's boat in the country, Anybody on the road against a major conference team, unless you're in Alabama, Ohio State, whatever, it generally doesn't go that well. Now, did you want to see the final score we saw? No. But I, I don't think we were surprised it was a difficult game. The surprising thing, we'll say it, I think anyone will say it, it's just kind of how it happened on Saturday that nobody could have envisioned it. It would have gone off the rails as it did. No, because the defense, which uh, was so highly touted and had thrown a shutout the previous week, got gashed a number of ways in this game. There were opportunities to be in the right place and miss tackles. There were times where people weren't in the right place. There were busted coverages uh, and that type of thing. And so certainly a lot of work uh, to correct that. I will say this. For as much progress as the program has made and winning 10 games last year and a bowl, all of that is uh, tremendous, historic. 
it's still another notch that you have to get to before you really start walking into road games, let alone back-to-back road games, with your chest puffed out like, oh, we got this. It's hard to win on the road. Last year's team had three true road wins. One of them's Western Michigan. You know, so let's just pump the brakes a little bit on the expectation that you're going to start stomping people away from home because it's just not that easy. Hey, the hope is that that's where this goes, and obviously we still think Dino's got it pointed in the right direction. But you know, in many ways, I think Dino kind of he didn't he didn't think that the team was going to lose the game. They went down to win the game, but. He warned everybody that this wasn't as easy as maybe people were making it out to appear, and it turned out that way. This this was a team that played real teams well last year at points. Ohio State they they took them right down to the wire, beat Texas, and they added the quarterback in Josh Jackson, and he he made it cook. Uh, the Orange defense, uh, Dino said it today, is they played with great effort and stuff like that. <laughs> they just weren't in the right spot sometimes, or if they were in the right spot, they were going about it the wrong way when they got there. And Maryland was capable of taking advantage of it, and boy, did they. I mean, that, that's one of the things. If you're going to make those mistakes, the other team still got to do it, and they went out there and they did it on, what was it, the first four drives of the game, just moving right down the field, and that's a problem. It was something Syracuse fell behind so quickly when you're down 14 nothing like that. They never really got a grip at it. They scored a touchdown down 14 nothing, and Maryland right back down the field. You're down two touchdowns again, and, and it was just tough to find anything during the flow of that game for the team to grab onto that, okay, we got this, and then if we do this, a little momentum. There were some nice things that happened, but the next thing in the game never added onto it, and that's kind of where it went. There seemed like there were maybe some opportunities to do something. You know, second half, they... Early uh, second half. Sure, and in the second half, they went out on downs three consecutive possessions. They had uh, drive starts in plus territory twice in a row and did not score uh, that is your ball game. Certainly they were in a hole to begin with, but once you get in that situation and are unable to take advantage, you've uh, lost any opportunity to come back in the game. Uh, had a couple of different Twitter conversations uh, going on. We're going to rehash those for audio purposes uh, here on the show for you in just a moment. We'd love to have you join us by phone. We haven't had uh, an opportunity really to open the phone lines a great deal. Certainly there have to be some emotions off of the Maryland game and some excitement looking ahead to the Clemson game. And if you have any questions about some of the stuff we're talking about, logistics, parking, food, timing, bus shuttles, we'll do our best to handle those uh, really over the course of the week. You can call us at 315-437-7644. That's 4ESPN44, area code 315 here in central New York. In the booth is brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company, born in Germany, raised in Syracuse. Hoffman Taste Tells. We'll come back and hit on a couple of those popular post-game chatter items here from Dino Babers and more over the course of the show. Sean McDonough, who will call the game on ABC Saturday night, set to join us on tomorrow's show as well. Looking forward to a good week leading up to Clemson. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. In the Booth. On this uh, Monday afternoon, here every day this week, Adam Terry will uh, break down the game with us in his usual spot on Thursday, and uh, certainly we'll talk Clemson uh, over the course of the week. One of the things going on Saturday is that uh, Tim Green's uh, number 72 will be honored, and we'll talk plenty about Tim before the week is done because he deserves it. He's uh, arguably the single greatest individual representative of uh, Syracuse football. He's Local. He's an academic All-American. He was an All-American on the field. He was a first-round draft pick. He's been 
successful in everything he has uh, attempted to do uh, in his life. And Just Joe has recorded a, a cover of the Foo Fighters song, My Hero, to uh, honor Tim Green. And you can hear that song on our Facebook page, ESPN Syracuse. You can help honor Tim and help his fight against ALS by going to TackleALS.com. So uh, Tim Green, certainly for those of us of a certain age, was uh, uh, heroic uh, in a lot of ways and the way that uh, his numbers are just insane. You talk about double-digit sacks every year in college, and uh, the game was played a little bit uh, differently. Yeah, that was back when they weren't really throwing the ball as much. So not as many opportunities, but he was getting it done. So we've talked about this before, but quick kind of behind the, the curtain scene deal in terms of the way that we travel with the team and Brian and I, we've got the post game show going and uh, we go to a certain part so that we go as far as we think we can go without missing the bus. And then we, we hand it off and we uh, hustle to the team bus and we get our uh, fried chicken and we sit on the bus. And then that's when the checking of the other scores mm-hmm. happens because you're, you're kind of, you're, when you're locked in on the Syracuse game, you, you tend to miss the, total overview of the country. Sometimes we have a, a chance to, to check it and sometimes we don't. And then the Twitter and the back and forth on Twitter. And and uh, the two, for me, that were kind of the sticking points that lead you in these uh, spirals, as Twitter does, it's, a, it's by definition kind of an echo chamber, were, uh, number one, well, they lost the game because they were looking ahead right. to Clemson. That's, that's one. And didn't really get too much uh, into that. But then the one that I really got under my skin, and you, you people are good at that, you know how to do it, is, well, we didn't You, you were it. perturbed. I was eating the chicken. <laughs> oh, I crushed the chicken, too. <laughs> Trust me. Then I guess you ate the chicken faster is really all that Trust happened. Trust me, that, to, to uh, that chicken it. went down, and it, it went down hard. But the idea that, well, he didn't want game day anyway. I mean, come on. Why would we possibly Who want that? Who would want that? <laughs> why would we possibly want the biggest exposure vehicle in college football coming to our campus or a three-hour live television program that we could have a participatory role in, or we could show off our our school, our campus, et cetera, coming. So uh, I under, I appreciate the people uh, moving on quickly, maybe from the disappointment of not having it, but I'm calling BS on the never wanted it in the first place or that it would somehow be bad because they would uh, have to dredge up last week's loss. Or I'll go one further I think really, in fairness to the Twitter populace, the reaction was more to my supposition that EGADs, yes, they lost the game, but don't count it out just yet. As it turns out, obviously the loss did have a factor in it. Uh, It's not going to be two undefeated teams here. And the Iowa-Iowa State game, Iowa State's a place that game day also has never been for football, so that winds up uh, being the destination. Uh, Yeah, game day... It's not a merit contest. It's a television show. Yeah. Now, Iowa and Iowa State, that's not deciding the national title. Number one team in the country is going to be here next week. I mean, if they wanted to put – I mean, they could have just said, look at the rest of the Clemson schedule and said, uh, we, there's none of these games that are popping. Let's get up to the Dome. We've never been there before. We'll, Dino Babers is fun. We'll, we'll talk to him. We'll, we'll get number one. Like, that's a TV show right there. We'll, we'll see. Now – We've done some groundwork. The weather's going to be good in Syracuse. It's going to be nice. Uh, We've been up there for basketball before, and it's gone well. There's a lot of things. My guess, just I'm guessing Corso probably is picking Clemson to win that game. But 
him attempting to put on Otto <laughs> could have been interesting. Like he puts on the head. Otto's whole thing is a head. How does Lee wear that? Uh, that's questions you gotta you gotta ask. There's a television show there, as there is for the Iowa rivalry. I mean, that's that's in state stuff. You could go there with both those teams are two and eight, and now that would the rest of the country care? Probably not. But the people there would be a good background to a TV show, which is what it is when you're going here. So, yeah, it didn't work out. It would have been really really cool. Obviously, it's one of those things. Just by the nature of how last season ended, you know Clemson's coming here. Then the schedule comes out. Usually, if you're thinking about maybe hosting game day, it's a week or two in advance when it occurs to you. This was eight months of, oh, this could be cool. So, yeah, it stinks. It didn't happen. But to say you didn't want it anyway, come on. I mean, whether you were coming or not or watching it at home in the morning or whatever before 7.30 kickoff, of course you wanted it. Does it affect the game at all itself on Saturday? No. But, yeah, it would have been really cool to see that that show out out in the quad, as big as it is, because for one thing in basketball, when they do it, it's great, but it's contained to the dome. It's not, it's in the area where you'd be for the game that night anyway. Football game day, that's big, like size-wise. It's a big set. It's big stuff going on. There's buses. There's all this stuff going on, and and just to see all that uh, roll into town I think would have been cool, but it's not today. That doesn't mean it's not ever. I mean, if you're going to say, it's uh, whenever, whenever Clemson comes to town, just the way college football goes now is most likely when this could happen again in the future, then maybe we ramp it up for two years from now. Maybe maybe somebody else in the league gets gets it cooking for next year and Syracuse is having a good season now now that you're back in the conversation for these things. So, you know, it's not this week, but I'd say the, the pin's not put in the balloon forever on this one. It's not done until the end of time. No, and there's a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season and a lot to look forward to for this week. Apart from game day, this is still a really big deal. And steps have been made over time, particularly in the last couple of years, to up the game day atmosphere. Right. So there will be the quad with a, a concert from Eric Chesser uh, going in the afternoon. There will be the Country Swag concert up at Skytop and a sponsor event up there to kind of keep people company and enhance the tailgate and really incentivize the idea that get up to campus early, Get it rolling a little bit. And I think, you know, we're talking about only 150 or so tickets left to go, season tickets right now. And maybe it's possible at the end of the week that uh, some will pop free. But with the uh, number of tickets that are available that we know of right now, we're talking about absolutely not only one of the biggest dome crowds ever, but in recent history, for sure, the biggest crowd, you know, in the last. 15 to 20 years. So that in and of itself is a pretty big deal, and uh, there will be pros on the field, which is uh, is fun. So all in all, there's a lot to take in here. Well, you mentioned the tickets available, and uh, watch this. I'm going to steal from a show on this station, which hasn't happened yet, <laughs> because uh, Brett Axe's Twitter just uh, went past, and I guess StubHub has released figures since whenever they've been tracking these things, which obviously isn't you know, a lengthy history, but it's closing on a decade now for as long as they've been doing this, and they're, and they're saying this game is the third highest ticket price, secondary ticket market ticket price for a Syracuse football game, essentially in the last decade with the others ahead of it being the Notre Dame game last year uh, down at Yankee Stadium, which was obviously an event for many reasons, and then that West Virginia Friday night game that Syracuse won memorably from a handful of years ago, which finds weird to me since that wasn't, it was a big crowd, but it wasn't a, a sellout. So That's the t- one that was like the picture 
you know that the picture of that game being full was yes. all over everything for a long time, and then you switch conferences and and go to the ACC. You got to change uh, some of that yeah, stuff. But out. I say the secondary ticket market price thing that that is a litmus test of what interest at this second is of if people are still interested in it and. Uh, the prices on there are still rocking, so it's good for all those who already got their seats. That that that's showing that okay, yeah, it was disappointing Saturday. You're got you got a full week to get over it and get ready and go again. You got your tickets and uh, you're ready to roll with a, a bunch of people. That this is one where if you got tickets to this game, this wasn't just like ah, they were hanging out there. I picked them up. This was you, you made an effort to get these tickets, and there's people still going out to do it. So yeah, I think you, that's pretty good. Sure, and you paid a buck and. The idea that this has been anticipated for a long time, I mean, it's all anybody talked about over the course of the summer. Uh, I don't think you're walking away from it now. You had to know in the back of your mind all along there was a chance that uh, Syracuse could have lost one or both of those uh, first two games. I know you were thinking it wouldn't happen and hoping it wouldn't happen, but it did. And now it's a matter of, of matching up against a team that's you know more talented. And let's face it, if you thought Maryland was tough, Clemson is tougher. Clemson's a better team. Uh, yeah. Than, there's no doubt about it. And one of the things that Dino Babers talked about uh, this afternoon really had to do with this being a restart. And I love that kind of visual of rebooting the computer because they have no no choice but to do that, and you have to play better this coming Saturday. I hope it reboots faster than some of our office computers. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> That'll be uh, better. But, yeah, hit, hit the restart. Get it going, and I think that's where we're at. Because, and I think over Dino's history here, there have been some clunkers tossed in for a variety of reasons. There have been games uh, previously, certainly where Dungey was out, and, and things did not go right. There, there have been games where just crazy stuff happened, and lots of points uh, were put on the board. We remember the Lamar Jackson game from a few years ago, and it's like, whoa, how could this team? How's anybody getting out of bed tomorrow after that's happening? I don't think this is anything under Dino specifically. I think this speaks to the demeanor of how he handles stuff during the game and during the week. As Yeah, he's fiery, but he's also, when need be, but he's also calm, and he's fiery not just because he's doing that all the time. He's fiery when it's the time for it, and calm and, and reasoned at the other times, where this team, okay, this game happened. Yeah, great, it did. It's done, and... They're going to figure it out, and they're going to move on. Now, could this Saturday go wrong? Sure. But I don't think if Saturday goes wrong, it's not because this past Saturday went wrong. It's because Clemson is number one in the country. If things are going wrong on Saturday, it's not because they're unprepared, they're not good enough, they're whatever. It's because Clemson's number one, and they showed up, and they were number one. I don't think it's because this season has gone irrevocably off the rails. It's because you're playing number one, and sometimes that's hard. And I've thought all along, and again, under the category of we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, the season starts the following week. You know, you do it to, obviously, if you beat Clemson, uh, you're, you're kicked up to an entirely different level. But the idea is that Western Michigan, Holy Cross, NC State, that's where you got to start uh, building some momentum for what this team is is uh, going to be. You know, we talk about this all the time. We talk about it with broadcasting students. Certainly in sports, we talk about it. You're never as good as as you look on your best day or as bad as you are on your worst day. And there was such a swing in these two games in the, the level of competition. The Orange held Liberty to 234 total yards. Maryland had 650 on Saturday. We're going to go back and we're going to look look at it. I mean, obviously, we're not as good as the first game, and I would like to think we're not as bad as the second game, that we're somewhere in the middle. 
and hopefully we still have, uh, I, I really believe that that's going to be the strength of our team along with the kicking game, and we're going to need that early. You know, the kicking game has been, even that, it, uh, my approach with Dino postgame on uh, on Saturday was, you know, you didn't look like yourself today, and the, the, the idea they missed an extra point uh, to me is showing that that was not a representative day because they hadn't missed one in, in uh, well over a year, um, close to two years. That, that's just the way it goes. I think it's one of those that you scrap. You just hate to scrap the types of games. I, it was an unranked opponent. It, it was a team that wasn't in a bowl uh, last year. You hate to kind of think that uh, you didn't play your best against a team like that. Well, that said, uh, this will also show you that at least the respect for Syracuse football has gone up nationally in some way despite the loss. It was an unranked opponent at the time. Right. They are now ranked. Now beating Syracuse, at least last week, and obviously Maryland, they're averaging 71 points a game now through two games. It's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, they're ranked now. So Syracuse is ranked. They lost to a team, and because of that, that team was deemed worthy. So that it doesn't make last week any better. It doesn't make you feel better about anything. I'm sure Dino couldn't care about that one way or another, and nor can really the team. But it at least shows you that national perception, those voters are spread out all across the country. I know Nate Mink of Syracuse.com is our, our, the local voter here, but... Those voters just brought out all over the place that some people looked and said, wow, Maryland laid it on Syracuse. They must be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So right. at least at least that's what's coming out of it if you want if you want something. No doubt. And I think Maryland's going to win some games. They play in a, a tough division. Uh, that's a tough division. Yeah, really Michigan, is. Penn State, Ohio State, <laughs> right. and oops, you guys are on the East Coast. Good luck to you. <laughs> right. No, that is, it is tough for sure. Uh, the one thing about the Big Ten, of course, is that you can find yourself in a given year not having to play a couple of those teams. Not, and, not if you're Maryland. <laughs> uh, right. In the, and, and you you better make uh, make some hay. But uh, Maryland's got some players now, and they'll continue to have more players with, with Mike Loxley, who has recruited well uh, throughout his career, not had a tremendous head coaching tenure. In fact, he's already got half as many wins. In, he's now uh, won 40% of his career <laughs> games in the last two yeah. weeks. Yeah. He's been a head coach for multiple years. Yeah, at New Mexico, he, his whole time there, he won four games. He's won back-to-back weeks uh, with uh, or at New Mexico, and now with Maryland, he's won back-to-back. So a uh, different world for them, and uh, we'll keep an eye on what Maryland does over the course of the season. If you'd like to chime in by phone, we'd love to have you. 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. What are you most looking forward to for this week, what are your concerns? Run it by us. Do you have any questions, logistically or otherwise? If you have names for the various cranes or any of that, you want to mix it up. And one of them has a name. You need to name the other cranes. <laughs> you can do that by phone at 315-437-7644. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. We are indeed in the booth on ESPN Radio. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Hey, we're here until 3 o'clock today. Your phone calls welcome, 315-437-7644. Talking sports with you, the Cuse and Clemson, 7.30 Saturday night. Uh, we can veer off course just a moment. I know you want a little bloodletting here, Brian, mm. on the uh, NFL sa- uh, Sunday that opened the season. Uh, certainly the first game was Thursday night, Packers and Bears in a close one, uh, 10-3, right, that the uh, Packers won. Then, Less compelling than I suggested it, it might be on the show last week. Absolutely. It was a total snoozer. And uh, then a lot of good divisional matchups. Uh, yesterday, the the Bills somehow hang in the game despite four turnovers. They're down 16 to nothing. They win it 17-16. 
Josh Allen alone in the backfield takes the snap. Looks down the middle. Looks left. Looks for John Brown. Gets separation. Makes the catch at the 10 into the end zone. Touchdown. There's a flag on the play. Touchdown, Buffalo. Our friend uh, John Murphy there. And uh, a good win for the Bills to uh, open the season. There were a lot of these uh, swings. Uh, games that you felt were over, came back. Uh, the Lions had a big lead, coughed it up against uh, the Cardinals. That game goes Second straight year with a week one tie. Tie on the first week of the season. It's Two like the years season hasn't even started in a way there. So uh was watching that with uh, so many I saw Justin Pugh on, on Twitter last night. Yeah. Obviously, plays for the Cardinals. Yeah. Somebody's like, hey, aren't you happy you guys were down big? Came back and the tie the game. His answer was something effective. Ties are the worst thing in the NFL. <laughs> And I that could, was the team that came back. And I can think of a few things worse, but uh, but for he, sure he declared it worse. I think Chandler uh, Jones he had a, another sack yesterday. He's racking them up out there. Yeah, interesting game management decision there at the end, where you know again what what's your what's your choice? And Cliff Kingsbury in his first game yeah. on an NFL sideline, so playing with those rules, you know at the end you basically yeah you got to punt it away. If you if you punt, you aren't going to lose. You're probably not going to win. <laughs> But you, but you aren't going to lose if you punt it away with 30 seconds to go. Undefeated. And, and uh, that's kind of how it, it goes down there. And uh, that was an unusual one. Uh, your G-men seem uh, to be uh, outclassed uh, by the Cowboys from by, the start. By the league at large, I think, except yeah. for maybe, I'd say up until the, the comeback, the Cardinals sounded horrible yesterday. The Dolphins are clearly, I think, the worst team Jeez. in the league. They're, they're just, Did you hear? I mean, note? just give them two right now. Let's cut to the chase. I forget if the number was 12 or it might have been 14. Let's just say 12 because that's plenty. They signed 12 players that were not in their training camp, meaning they were all let loose by other people <laughs> Saturday. They're like, yeah, these guys are better than the guys we got. <laughs> that is, Or amazing. maybe not. Maybe they're like, hey, these guys are worse than the guys we got. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Ravens dropped 59 on them. Lamar Jackson looked like, I, won't, I don't even want to say he looked like college Lamar Jackson because he really didn't run the ball a lot yesterday. It was unnecessary. He was just throwing nonstop. 50-yard touchdown passes. How about, it's? Uh, is that Antonio Brown's nephew, am I to believe? Hollywood? Marquise Brown. Yeah, Hollywood yeah. Brown of the debut. Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Oklahoma. He's fat. Is the first two targets of his career, he had like two catches, a buck 30, and two touchdowns. He's like, all right, this NFL thing's not yeah, bad. Pretty, pretty it's easy. pretty easy. <laughs> but, the, I mean, the Giants, I don't know what they're doing. I know what they're not doing. That's playing compelling football, making me want to watch a whole football game, doing anything that looked good, giving it to the guy repeatedly that was the number two pick in the draft last year. You know, and it's like third and one, fourth and one. He's averaging 10 yards a carry. 10 is more than one. They're like, hey, you know who's a good guy? Let's give it to the fullback. What's his name? I don't know. Let's give it to him. Uh, The head coach is just like unshaven, yelling at the refs the whole game. I mean, the whole thing. And I'll defend Eli to the ends of the earth. He He may be done, but I don't. I don't know what they're doing. Everybody else that has the quarterback on the rookie contract, they're loading up on veterans. They're spending money. Look at what the Bears. They give Khalil Mack a bajillion dollars because they got Mitch Trubisky for cheap. What the Chiefs are doing, they're spending money every which way because Mahomes, who's going to be the richest guy in the league in three years, is cheap right now. The Giants have a cheap quarterback and an expensive quarterback. And then they traded away the great wide receiver. They have a guy that was the heart and soul of their defense, the best player on their defense the last few years, Landon Collins. And he, like day one of free agency, signs with the rivals in Washington. And then the entire middle of the field is open 
for the entirety <laughs> of the game yesterday, and nobody seems to see a correlation with this or an issue. Everyone's just, yeah, whatever. The so, Jack uh, Prescott, it's a, it's a uh, Jason, Jason Witten combo working the, the middle of the field. Yeah, Witten into the end zone. Zeke Elliott had a big day. Zeke had a touchdown. Dak yeah. Prescott had the best game of his career. Maybe that's it. Maybe the Giants, maybe this was the plan. This is next-level evil genius if this is the plan. Make make Dak look good. Jerry's going to screw up their salary cap by giving Dak a lot of money. We're going to give up 400 yards in week one. We're going to stink anyway this year. Take it, Dallas. <laughs> That's given. I mean, that would be next level evil genius of which the Giants, and the Giants are. This is the hundredth year, hundredth year of NFL football. The Giants have been like a bedrock franchise since nineteen twenty five. Like one of the teams, even when they're not good, everyone's like, "Well, the Giants are at least a picture of stability." Even in the nineties, when it Same was ownership, it was boring, coaches, boring yeah. football. They replaced Bill Parcells with Ray Handley. He made it two years. It was a grease fire. They spent a supplemental draft pick on Dave Brown, who did. Give me an autograph, I think, when I was 11. Nice. was a really nice guy, terrible quarterback. Dookie. But, you know, Dan Reeves, who, who's more professional than Dan Reeves? Right. Like the history of the league. Now, I mean, they might as well just have a barrel on fire on the sideline. It's just, it's a mess. And I don't know what's good. Like, I don't know what the future... I mean, hopefully... Now I'm to the point where I thought it was terrible at the time, but Daniel Jones better be the answer, because if not, the next five years are a wasteland. What do you Pat Shermer doesn't strike me as the picture, uh, picture of composure. Uh, no, I mean, he's trying to throw a challenge flag looking for them to review pass interference on a Hail Mary on the last play of the first half. He's got a red flag on the field. You're not allowed to do it, for one. And the ref's just looking at him like, what do you want me to do about this? And they kind of, right, they he kind of look the mic the at one way, point. Yeah. Shermer's standing there yelling at him, flicks the mic. The half is over. <laughs> flicks it and just leaves. I'm like, yeah, it is. Pat, how about you, Mosey? Good work by officials on the, the mic this week. Uh, there was one game, now I can't remember if it was college or pro, Maybe it was, I guess it was the LSU game on Saturday night where you had one of those happens once or twice a year. False start, everyone but the but center. The center. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the center either must have forgotten the snap count or was somehow the only uh, person that I didn't think, I think it was the ref. Uh, it was halftime. It was a similar almost Hail Mary situation. It was USC-Stanford with the late game, Pac-12 after dark Saturday night, and there was... Whatever, there should have been like a second left. USC's running off the field. <laughs> and he just flips off the mic. Whoops, my mistakes. <laughs> Everyone get back here. <laughs> yeah, all right. An effective uh, use of the microphone there. All right, we'll get a uh, timeout out of the way unless we're missing anything else in the NFL. I think we covered uh, the Bills beating the Jets, the Giants uh, lost to the Cowboys. Those are the, the big ones. As I'll, far I'll as say this. Here should have been my clue. Uh, my son, Max, who's three months old, we had the three-pack of the Giants onesies ready to go <laughs> for the game. It should have been my clue this wasn't going to go well when prior to kickoff, he poops through the onesie. That should have been sign one. Yeah. That should have been sign Kind one. of a given, though, wasn't it? Pro- I mean, yeah, he's three months old. I heard you did, too. It just wasn't a onesie. It wasn't yeah. a one. I mean, I, I waited till I was depressed after kickoff. Right. Not, it not it a, should not have been a, a clearer scene. sign to me than just a normal day of the week, but he was letting me know. <laughs> right. So uh, trying to break him in as a as a Giants fan right right from the start, and he is you got to get that good simmering anger from your youth. <laughs> young Max has uh, had enough. Maybe by you know by the time he's a teenager, and Daniel Jones is, is. an eight time Pro Bowler. There we are. There you go. Thank the good you. thing is he will not remember yesterday's game, and he'll be better Giants fan. <laughs> he'll be, be better for it. All right, we'll get our, our final break out of the way here, and come back and touch on a couple of other items. Uh, kind of getting the week situated for you, and uh, the countdown to the Clemson game at the Dome is straight ahead. We can tell you actually about the TV 
halftime and all of that of the Western Michigan game, which is a, a couple weeks off yet, but that was uh, released today. We'll share that with you. And tell you about a little ticket offer, maybe a little back door for ducats for you into the Clemson game. That's all on the other side of this timeout. In the booth from Hoffman Sausage Company on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. The Red Sox fired their president of baseball operations last night, Dave Dombrowski, following last night's loss to the Yankees, a year out of winning the World Series. Yeah, that caught me by surprise, and I can't claim to be close enough to know exactly what went down there. Obviously, the Red Sox did not follow up uh, last year's season very well. They got off to that very slow start. They didn't take spring training very seriously, which is kind of an NFL approach, and uh, it cost them this year. But uh, Dombrowski, generally speaking, is a very highly regarded uh, baseball executive. He gets to keep the ring, right? Yeah. It's a weird ending, but hey, he keeps the ring. Job done last year. With all that young talent that they had, was it a disappointment, or do you consider that a disappointment that they're probably only going to get one ring out of it? Sure, except I guess I look at sports a little bit differently than other people. It's human performance. It was bound, you know, you're not going to, you know, the idea of dynasties, those are the exceptions. They didn't back it up, and uh, somebody's head is rolling in this case. It's Dave Dombrowski. That took uh, a lot of time there. All right, we will have tickets to the Clemson game to give away. Stay tuned for more of that later in the week. This is ESPN Radio.